Welcome to the Healthy Human Podcast. I'm Dr. Lori Marvis, and today I'm partnering with one of my friends, Anthony Masiello, who's the co-founder of Healthy Human Revolution. How are you? Hi, I'm good, Lori. How are you? Good. And we are bringing back to life the Mindset Mondays that we had done. Yeah. Oh my goodness, it's been, a, it's been several months. Um, way so too long. Yeah. Way too long. So we're going to continue this series, and we're hoping to make this more of a a semi-permanent to permanent um, part of our uh, weekly podcast series and keep us on track because we've uh, had a lot of things happen with Healthy Human Revolution in the last year and we really want to continue that momentum. That we're we going sure have, and, and we've been having no shortage of mindset discussions. We just haven't been recording them. So that's what we're really getting back to, right? Exactly. And I think, you know, we had just had our first conference yeah, on exactly. our very first um, anniversary of the Healthy Human Revolution, was it just happened to be one year later. So I think that's a good omen. And many of the things that we spoke about were mindset. And we had John Pierre from Living with Harmony and Chloe Stein and uh, from Chloe's Clean Cuisine all speaking about mindset and sleeping and how it affects us. But we got into some really interesting conversations regarding. Uh, labels and whether they're helpful or hurtful. And I think it was a really kind of a cool evolution of a, a conversation we had with our audience. So shall we, you want to start and kind of tell us what we mean by that? Sure. So we talked about specifically labels and, and to give some examples um, of what we mean by that, um, things like food addict or emotional eater or volume eater. I mean, these are the kind of things that come up in the world that we're talking about when people are trying to change their lifestyle and switch to a plant-based whole foods diet. But then it's very, it's just as relevant for other kind of labels, like when um, people are diagnosed as being dyslexic or ADHD, or if someone refers to themselves or someone else as either underweight healthy weight, overweight, or obese, right? The, all of these things are kind of continuous. And what happens is we, we draw some lines and we say, okay, everyone on this side of this line would be, let's say, for example, um, have the normal. And then everyone between this line and this next line would be considered pre-diabetic, for example. You know, if we're talking about diabetes or type 2 diabetes. And then everyone past this line would be considered full-blown um, type 2 diabetic. But, mm -hmm. but, um, and it works for hypertension, for high blood pressure as well. You know, it works for all these things. But the whole concept of labeling, um, the thing that we want to talk about here and why this is related to mindset is because what matters most is first, you have to understand what the labels really mean. And second, the most important thing is what do you do, right? Once you've been categorized or once you've categorized yourself or once you claim an identity of one of these labels. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Does that cover it pretty well? Yeah. So for example, the diabetic or pre-diabetic or normal person, like you said, so where those lines would be drawn would be, let's say lab data, right? So yeah. you're normal if your fasting blood sugar in the morning is under a hundred. Fasting right. blood sugar of 126 or greater is considered diabetic. Well, then there's this gray zone between 100 and 125. 
it would probably put you at the pre-diabetic stage. And there's also hemoglobin A1C, which is an average of blood sugars over the period of three months. I mean, those also have a normal range, a pre-diabetic range and the diabetic range. So once someone has grasped onto the label of anything, chronic disease, a behavior pattern, whatever, it can define them, right? Or they can use it as motivation or they can use it as, I would say, a hindrance to finding ways of dealing with it because you may never get rid of that label. Like if you have dyslexia, like my son, right, which we've talked about before, you can use it as, well, I'm never going to be able to read like someone else. I'm not going to be as smart as someone else or I'm this or that and use it as a crutch in life and never really understand that you can work around it and use it to your benefit like Jonathan did. So he had a first grade reading level by fourth grade. By ninth grade, he was up with his peers and now he's about to graduate college in December. And so you would ask me 20 years ago, you know, when we're still struggling with him just learning or 18 years ago when he was like five in kindergarten, struggling to just learn the ABCs that he was going to graduate college and be a, you know, a ferocious reader and excellent writer, I would have said, I just don't see it. <laughs> you know, so, right. but it's over time, but he used that and how we cult- built a culture around the word dyslexic. We knew he has yeah. dyslexia, but we said, you know, use this to your benefit. You think differently. You see things differently. You have to work harder. So you're going to build a work ethic like nobody else. And that has all come true because we changed how his mindset was. So it wasn't a, a fixed mindset of, I can't grow with this. I'm going to be always, it's a growth mindset. Like this is actually a benefit to me and I'm going to grow with it. So that's kind of a, another way of looking at it. Yeah, exactly. And so the, those marks that define those labels just basically say where we fall on that scale, right? Mm-hmm. And then exactly as you described, what you do with it. So what, what, we're, what we talked about titling this one is they can either be a benefit. Mm-hmm. Um, these labels can either be a benefit and, or they can be a, what was the other word we were going to use? Mm-hmm. Or they can well, be a negative. They can be a positive or they can be a negative. Yeah, we were, we were playing around the idea of detriment, right. a hindrance, uh, yeah. an obstacle to growth and change. Yeah, and, the, and it comes from um, exactly what you described with the dyslexic. And I see it also with ADHD. And it's also very true since we started talking about diabetes with the, with the diabetics. So what happens when you do fall into one of these categories, which means you're somewhere along that line and you're within a spot, um, a lot of times it opens up new opportunity by giving you resources. Mm-hmm. Right. And well, that, I know that happens in the school for people who get labeled with ADHD and I'm assuming also with um, dyslexic because they can sometimes get special accommodations and they can actually use them to then compensate for this label. And then that's where it really becomes help. Like if somebody is struggling in these ways, it's actually helpful then to have that label because you get additional resources. Right. Right. But I think it's how you internalize those additional resources. So let's say Jonathan, when he was little, um, you know, he got bullied because he was taken to a different school that had those resources that maybe one of our schools didn't. And so he felt, you know, that was really a struggle for him because as a child and you're growing in it, those peers are so important that 
self-reflection of like, wow, I'm different. I'm not smart. I can't be in these other classes. So he, that was a real struggle. And for many years we did deal with that. Um, so it's not saying that you, just because you have this label, there's not going to be struggle. <laughs> right. So no, no, for sure. Yeah. Right. It's your support um, for sure. But absolutely. He had to have those resources. That was absolutely key to his success. But I, when you, you kind of hit on something that made me think of something when you said, when you become a diabetic or when you do this. So when this label is first brought in front of you and said, so example, I'm a physician and I'm going to tell someone you have diabetes. It, it is now imperative that as the physician, I set this patient with a growth or a fixed mindset, right? So yeah. I, I can be a doctor that's in a rush and say, ah, you're a diabetic. You're going to be on medications for the rest of your life. This is setting your ways. That sets that patient into a different trajectory than if I am sitting up with a patient saying, you had diabetes, but that does not have to be your, your future. We can do this, this, and this, a whole food plant-based diet, change your lifestyle, change what's in the end of your fork, and that is not your destiny. So this, how I bring that information to a new person who's never been labeled that has a big influence on which behavior pattern that they'll probably start with. Because there was an interesting book um, Carol Dweck wrote. Um, was yeah. it called Growth Mindset or My Mindset? Uh, I read that we'll book. We'll have to look it up and we'll have to put it in the notes. Yeah. I yeah. Um, but Carol Dweck is a um, psychiatrist or psychologist, psychologist. And she, one of the stories that stood out with me was a little boy and they were looking at growth and fixed mindsets in kids. And this one little one, um, I think these kids were in middle school. And he'd always been said, you know, he was in classes that were struggling to read and always, you know, never really told that you can change. Things can look differently. But when Carol Dweck's team was, they split these kids in two different groups and they gave them study strategies. And then they gave them study strategies with growth mindset exercises. He was in the growth mindset exercises. And in that process of learning that he started crying and they go, what's wrong? And he goes, I didn't, he goes, you mean I don't have to be dumb? Wow. So, that's really powerful by the messages that those who hold the, the labeling parents, teachers, doctors, coaches, whomever, it's so imperative that yes, this is the reality. We want to give you the reality. I can't tell you you're not diabetic <laughs> just right. because I don't want to label you something. No, well, you are diabetic, but what we do about it and how I send that message and where I tell you you can go, I'm giving you a roadmap is very, very important. Exactly. Yeah. And so your patients are very fortunate in that you understand this and that you set this because, you know, many physicians are just people too, right? And we're they're, whether they've learned this or not yet, you know, we leave, we leave it up to kind of luck of the draw, but that's where we come in and we want to really help individuals to understand this. And that's why we didn't just pick examples that were related to eating and or to uh, changing lifestyle specifically, right? Mm -hmm. Because it applies everywhere. And once you get that label, no matter what that label is, you know, it, and like you said, the pre-diabetes gives you permission now to have those conversations with your physician. You can actually look up how to reverse pre-diabetes. You know, like without that label, it's very difficult. If you just said, I want to go, you know, how do I lower an A1C from, you know, some number to to within the normal range, right? It would be, you know, you, you wouldn't find that much. But once it's labeled and it's called pre-diabetes or once it's called diabetes, you know, mm -hmm. or you can even look up um, the potential for 
reversing prediabetes. And you'll probably right. find that it's very high, right? That we right. can really do that with lifestyle. Or if you look up the potential of reversing diabetes, maybe it's a little bit lower, but it's also very, you know, it, but it's also high. It's very promising mm-hmm. um, that we can do that. And then it's similar also for like high blood pressure and, and some other uh, these um, risk factors that we measure. Um, and uh, yeah, it really gives us the tools. So then we can learn about how to work with these things and how to use them. And sometimes those tools may be medication, but, mm-hmm. but not the medication as a sentence. You know, like I, I don't like thinking that as this is your, you know, this is your, now you're, now you're this, this is the track you're on, this is where it goes, and that's your destiny. Um, that's where we say the labeling hurts. When people do like that first example that you shared of a physician who says, oh, you're, uh, you're pre-diabetic. We'll start you on this medication and soon you'll be full-blown diabetic and then we're going to start you on that and then we'll see if you eventually need insulin or not we'll just continue to monitor you you know they've already they're already looking out to your future and telling you what it what it looks like they haven't given you any power mm-hmm. but the example that you shared about how you would work with a patient you've really given the you've empowered the patient and you've mm-hmm. kind of armed them with the knowledge and understanding that they can do something about it and um yeah, and, and that's where success really comes through. Yeah, and that kind of goes back to kind of we had discussed before we started um, where we wanted to go with this conversation yeah. is generational labels, right? Yeah. So, for example, our friend Joshua Johnny, I love hearing his yeah. story because he talks about his Bam Bam, which is his granddad. His granddad was a large man. Josh was always told you're going to be like your bam bam this is how you are you know you're deep south Louisiana you know you're going to grow big that's who he was and he grew into that all 400 pounds of him and that was such an interesting thing to hear him talk about it because that was just what he did I hear this from patients all the time well of course I'm diabetic my parents are diabetic Um, or you know all these different things that you just expect that you you are going to have to ha- accept the label because your parents right. had a label or your group of friends had this label or that's who I am. That's where I'm from. You can choose that, right, to always have that. I mean, I grew up in a home with no money. Um, we struggled since <laughs> it's a long story. Yeah. But, you know, I grew up in a very um, difficult situation um, financially and I could have left the label with like, well, I came from poor family. I'm just going to stay poor. I'm never going to go to college. I'm just going to struggle. But that's not this. That's not the case. I had some very. I had three people who were very influential to me early in my life that said, no, that is not the case. You can do this. You can find a way. It will require hard work, and it did. But you can do it. So it helped me with my mindset, like. I can be a doctor. I can be the first one to go to college in my family, which I did all those things. So um, because I believe that I could, because someone had given me the message early on that I didn't have to live in the same capacity or lack, you know, to the level I could go beyond um, where I was before. So, so many ways that we can do this. Um, That's so very important. And it was interesting because you didn't even say that you were poor. You just now, when you're describing that, you said I came from mm-hmm. poor, right? Which, which, oh, yeah. like, you're you're not owning that label at all, right? No. Which, which means you you know you you're seeing right through it and moving right past it, right? So somebody says so that, and that's the other thing, is that these things are not permanent. 
right? That, that this is just a point in time. So there is a point in time where, you know, you were poor, as you said, right? But, but you're not, but you never have to own that and say, I am poor, right? You can right. say, you know, just the, the wording that you used, I just picked up on that and it's interesting. And it's the same thing with, um, you know, with pre-diabetics or, or pre-hypertension or overweight or even obesity, or even as we know, you know, even if you're all the way out there in morbid obese, you don't have to be like, I am morbid obese. It's like, I'm currently morbid obese, but I'm, mm-hmm. I can work towards doing something about it. Right. And that's where will, all the difference in the world comes in. There And there will be those permanent labels, dyslexia, you know, certain things, whatever those might be that you have to understand that, yes, okay, this is a permanent and how do you use that to your benefit? So that's where you're taking a fixed, you know, issue that could be a problem and make it into a positive. How can you work around it? How can you be an influence for others? How can you, you know, use it to your benefit when other people who haven't experienced this or experienced that don't have a way of compensating. So like Jonathan, you know, he's found different ways of compensating that I would have never thought of because I didn't struggle with reading. Um, you know, so there's so many things there and I'm not even one, I'm not an expert on that because I haven't suffered all those different things that many people do, but you know, it's kind of like the label of your type A personality or type B personality. I use that as a motivator. So people tell me, well, you're type A personality. You're on it. You're always going like, yeah, yes, I am. So I always feel like (laughs) I have to live up to it. And when we were at the conference and, you know, Chloe is, and she's sweet and she's calm and she's getting everyone down for this thing, what we call the tea ceremony. And everyone's just being slow. And they they said, be very purposeful in your movements. And, you know, Anthony and I are delivering the tea. And Anthony, we were trying really hard, weren't we? (laughs) It was so hard for me to walk slowly and handle the tea. But I was like, walk slowly, walk slowly. That's how I had to do it because I see all these other people without tea and I'm like, oh, I need to get them their tea. Right. It's like this, you know, so I understand the label can be a hindrance because I don't know how to slow down. So, right. <laughs> but you can, and we did, right? Sort of. It just was uncomfortable. We just noticed that, you know, it, right. it's not our, it's not our default or our, our comfortable behavior, but, but um, yeah, we worked, we worked through it. It worked. It did. <laughs> and, I don't think anyone that, noticed my comfort. <laughs> no, and, but, and then, and then again, that's exactly our point. So, so, um, the other note that I had here, so we talked about some examples. Um, so how does this work for, for let's say less, um, quantitative, um, labeling, like things like when people say, oh, I'm a volume eater or, oh, I'm a food addict. Um, maybe food addict, maybe there is some kind of test. I've not honestly heard of one other than, um, following some characteristics where if somebody, you know, follows these characteristics and sometimes they get labeled as a food addict or emotional eaters. These are normally things that I hear people calling, saying about themselves. Mm-hmm. And um, maybe food addict is, it falls outside of that category. Maybe there is an actual, I, I believe there is actual diagnosis for that. But, but I know a lot of people who, who use the term more casually and they just say that about themselves. And then really about emotional eater, you know, I hear it all the time. Oh, I'm an emotional eater. But I worry because I don't want that to become an excuse or a destiny. And, and I am very careful when I talk to people like that, it, that I don't let them then give away their power, right? Mm-hmm. Or their control by, 
by owning this label and kind of throwing up their arms and surrendering to, you know, the, this definition that they believe, whether it's a volume eater or an emotional eater. And, and, um, you know, sometimes I want them to even say after that, you know, it depends on who it is and if I'm working with them or if I'm just in the casual conversation, but I would say, can you just add right now to that sentence or like, you know, I'm an emotional eater right now, right? Like just even saying that is enough to kind of disrupt the permanence of some of these labels. And I feel like that, that empowers a little bit. And if it's somebody who's not ready or somebody who hadn't thought of that before, they will sometimes say, well, what do you mean by that? What do you mean by I'm, I'm not right now? I'm like, well, or I'm a, I'm an overeater right now. Why do I have to say right now? I'm like, well, cause, cause you don't have to be. Mm-hmm. Right. And it doesn't mean that it's going to be easy for them to work through it. You know, and now we go back and it, and it parallels, your experience with Jonathan and, and reading and, and growing up, right? Like we might have to do things that other people don't have to do. And we might have to work harder than other people have to work, but we can definitely compensate around that so that we can get over those tendencies, even if they don't feel as natural to us, but we can definitely um, work through that. And we can learn to be less of a volume eater or we can learn to be much less of an emotional eater. And we have a lot of exercises, right, that we work with people on those to, to help to break those. And um, again, but as soon as people start giving away their power, like my radar goes up, you know, and, and I really wanna help because I know it doesn't have to be that way, which I think is really the purpose of this conversation. It's also the purpose of why we got out the whiteboard um, at the conference to make sure that we really covered this one carefully. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think there's a couple of things that I've noticed even before I went plant based eight years ago or seven, almost eight, it'll be eight years next spring. Was the moment that as a physician, because I, I feel like, or even a parent or anyone of authority that's helping someone, a coach or anybody yeah. like that, once you give them permission to move from a fix to a growth mindset or the permission to see a different destiny that allows them to grow into something differently than they thought, that is really, really important. So that's where even speaking to ourselves. So if someone else who has that authority can speak to you, but who do we hear all the time? It's our own brain, right? So if you're constantly telling yourself you're a food addict, you're worthless, you're this, of course you're going to grow into that because that's what the one person that has the most authority in you is yourself, right? So right. that's we have to change our internal dialogue. So the moment that you start seeing yourself or thinking these thoughts or saying different things, you're like, whoa, hold up. Why am I speaking to myself like that? And just have a conversation as if you were someone else. Like you wouldn't tell someone that you loved and cared for, you know, call them names and, and tell them that some of the things that we, we internalize and vocalize into our own mind. And we all do it regardless of whenever that is, if it's, you know, you're judging your ability to be a parent or, um, you know, your employee and you're feeling bad about how your work ethic or whatever it is that you decide that is, um, the, that internal conversation is really important. Now it doesn't mean that I'm saying dismiss behavior changes that need to occur. For example, if you have someone who is constantly, let's doing something, some harmful behavior, right? 
And then there's right. some guilt involved. Guilt, I think, is a, it's not shaming. Guilt is a radar saying, hey, we're doing something here that might not be good for you. It's just your internal watchtower saying, hey, yeah. pay attention, pay attention. So, you know, there, we have to be careful, but this, you know, you know the talk that you're talking about when the, when we're not really speaking truth to ourselves. And that's the important thing that I'm trying well, to Well, in a very light kind of note, it's like if I, if I trip walking up the stairs, right? So uh, I can say I'm a klutz, right? And then I'll continue tripping when I'm walking upstairs, right? Because I'm, you know, because I'm kind of, you know, this, we, and we talked a lot of, we had a good conversation on self-talk. We should probably, you know, re reference that in this one, as, you know, and put a link to that conversation in this as well. But, or you can, or you can say, or that was a klutzy move or, or just, I simply, I tripped, you know, but we don't have to call ourselves that klutz, right? I think that's what, I think that's the, um, yeah, I guess that's the, that's the message, right? We don't have to add that label and we don't have to talk to ourselves in that way because of the power of these self-fulfilling prophecies right. that we can create for ourselves. And we actually subconsciously then look to fulfill those for ourselves. Right. So I, I get actually, you know, we've been doing these big events outside uh, once a month and we've been very fortunate with the weather. It's been cooperating really well. And uh, at the last one, people were bringing umbrellas and they started talking about the rain. I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, it's a beautiful day right now. And that's all we need to worry about is right now it is a beautiful day. If you bring an umbrella, that's fine. But let's not make the weather the topic of our conversation. <laughs> now, you know, I don't really believe that we can um, control the weather. But I really just didn't want to, I didn't want to go there. And I definitely don't want these people to say it's going to rain. And then all they really want is for it, them to be right, you know. Or and focus the same, on the weather and not the speaker. Exactly, everything else. And this way, if we get a few drops, big deal, you know, they, mm -hmm. they, like that's it. But right. it, it just, it's interesting how, you know, just like the way you spoke about your, you know, the way you grew up. And I have these kind of things that where I've done this work on myself and I've learned these things for myself and that I'm so careful in all areas of life, you know, to make sure that I'm applying these and like these, like these, my radar goes up when I notice other people doing things, if it's going to affect me, especially, I'm like, oh, please, no, no, I can't handle that right now. I don't really want that. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think it's, it's so very important. Um, the messages we're speaking to ourselves, to others, but then how we look at the future. So is this a destined future and I'm going to hit a rock no matter what I do? I'm just the way it is. Or, oh, wow, my future doesn't have to be that way. Now, like we said, doesn't mean that it's not going to be a road that's difficult and twisty and up and down mountains and in valleys and days you'll see sunsets and other days you'll just see gray clouds. You know, these are the things, that's just life. But the important exactly. thing is to understand Many of the things that happen to you, how you allow them to affect you is all between the ears. Yeah. <laughs> it really sure. is. It's just like we tell people, you are diabetic or you're overweight or you have high blood pressure. You have all these reversible chronic diseases from lifestyle choices. I could tell you in five seconds how to reverse it. You eat fruits, vegetables, beans, whole grains, nuts and seeds, nothing else, and you're good to go. That, if that was that simple... And everyone take that message, 
we'd have no chronic disease in the end. Well, you know, much, and much, much, 80% less, but it's yeah, not. 80%, it's we know those here. numbers, right? Because yeah. And, and, and that it is that simple, but people won't do it, right? <laughs> no, there's so, so much let's, more. Let's work, let's see how this looks, right? Because what we're talking about here is how we use these labels, determine whether they're good for us or bad for us, right? And I have one of my favorite examples is I was actually talking to the head of cardiology at the, at the pharmaceutical company I was working at, and um, she was watching me eat. We were at a dinner, and she was looking at what I ate as she had a big um, steak on her plate, and I had ordered two salads because they didn't have anything else for me there. And then she started asking me what I fed my children, and then because she was in a very high position and very you know, confident in her ways and deeply rooted in um, traditional healthcare, she said, Anthony, let me do something for you. I'm gonna help you understand um, what you're gonna die of. And she said, tell me what your grandparents died of. It's either, she said, it's either gonna be heart disease or cancer. And she said, so tell me what your grandparents died of and I'm gonna tell you what you're gonna die of. And, and the ages, right? So, so in this case, so you know, I don't know, I don't know what all of my grandparents died of, you know, but but they were well into their nineties, so you know, so it wasn't like you know a sudden heart attack and they died, right? But but let's just say I would have told her that my grandparents all died of heart attack, right? And then she's going to now issue me this sentence, right? She's going to say, okay, then you're going to die of a heart attack. So. Let's just, so for this exercise and what we're talking about here, let's say now I've been given that label, right? I've just been told that I'm gonna die of heart disease. So we know that now I can take this victim mindset or this um, fixed mindset and say that that's my destiny and I can go through life. Or we know that I can take this growth mindset and I can do something about it. So how, you know, how would each of those look? Like how would the fixed mindset um, Look, let's just talk about that for a second, and then we'll talk about how the growth mindset would look. Sure. So it's interesting because my granddad did die at 46 of a heart attack. My biological father had his first heart attack at 38. Um, so I have a few grandparents that died of these heart disease. So I was told that I have a high risk for heart disease, even though I'm a female. Um, and what was interesting, so the fixed mindset would be, this is my destiny. I'm going to have to take medications. You know, you just say your blood pressure, you're at this risk, you're this risk. Oh, I end up with my first stint. Then I end up with, you know, open heart surgery and a cabbage and all this stuff. That would just be accepting it, right? And you would just and welcome all of those things as they come along. Like when you first get prescribed your first statin drug, you'd be like, oh, okay. Yeah, of yeah. course. I was expecting that, right? Right. Exactly. And then you get your first stint and you're like, oh, okay, here it comes. Here's my first Here it comes. Stint. This is the way it goes. I've, I've made it to 48. I guess I'm doing better than my granddad. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, and then the growth mindset would be where I'm traveling now. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's my base diet. I've lived, <laughs> I plan Lord willing to live into my nineties, like another set of grandparents did, you know, um, without the dementia that they had <laughs> Yeah. because the dementia is another thing, um, to consider with diet and so many the science, but you know, then we'll have people who will argue with us like, well, what about those genetic diseases? What about, you know, diseases that aren't reversed with dietary means or lifestyle? Those are the unfortunate cases. 
like someone who's diagnosed with, let's say ALS, or if they have, um, cause they don't know what's causing that. It's, it's a very sad situation. It's a, you know, two to five years is typical lifespan. However, I consider that time, you know, you're going to do everything you can, right. To, to make life, the quality of life better. So there's, also an acceptance of a victim role, like the outcome is going to be the same, let's say death in five years. Is it the life that I am going to be grumpy and sad and mad? And why me that thing live miserable and everyone around you be miserable during those five years? Granted, even if it's a very tough case, they stop being able to, to swallow and do things, or is it going to be, I'm going to live every day that I'm here with my family and my loved ones and share and be grateful for the time that I do have because it makes time more precious. So then you can see there's this different lifespan that it's the same, but it's a different quality for those. A whole different experience. Yeah. Yes. Even though, you know, the outcome will be the same. So I've met people like this who, who just, suffered the most horrible traumas and it's like they just got handed a horrible you know hand in life they're just uh they're just unlucky people um which you would assume but they have such a different positive attitude that you're drawn to these people like how are you doing that like why are you able to just go so gracefully through all these incredible challenges in destructive things in your life versus someone else who maybe turns to alcohol or drugs and violence and different things or self-harm. It's such a different thing. It's just, it's so interesting, but it all starts between how one, we talk to ourselves and um, allow others to talk to us as well. That's the other thing. You can't allow others to talk to you like, like that and label you. You just can't. Yeah, and I didn't. And that you know, the thing that you said that really stood out to me is you do the best you can. I mean, we've all been dealt a hand of cards, right? And we can only play them the best we can, right? We can't get new cards, but we can make the most out of them. So in for the example of of this conversation I had for with this physician, I mean on the growth mindset side, right? It's I can go ahead and look before any of these risk factors pop up, I can go ahead and look how to prevent heart disease, right? Let's start by preventing it before it even starts to develop, right? Or I can, or if as risk factors start to pop up, I can start to say, oh, how do I reverse high blood pressure? Or how do I lower cholesterol? You know, if these things are already creeping up, like, right, let's go ahead and work on these things. And that's what the growth mindset would look like in in that case, right? And (laughs) the next time we showed up at dinner, again, I would be sitting there with my salads right? I would not have thrown my hands up and said, well, I might as well have the steak, right? Because that's what I'm going to do anyway, which is what I'm assuming she was doing, which is why probably she was upset by by me doing what I was doing, or or maybe upset isn't the right word, but why she um, felt defensive over over what she was doing versus what I was doing. Well, I think that then this, now that brings up some very interesting (laughs) topics, right? Because as anyone who's done a whole food plant-based diet long enough knows that the moment you go out with people who are not familiar with you, you haven't educated them. The first right. thing they ask and the, you may not even tell anyone 
that you're a whole food plant based no, or vegan. Yeah. Right. But you're ordering differently. You're asking for removal of certain things, addition of others, and it piques people's interest because you're ordering differently and things are changing. Yeah. Like, why are you doing that? But then they suddenly, people are either either very intrigued and ask a lot of questions and are very yeah. polite and positive, or there's then the others who suddenly feel, and they're usually people close to you, defensive. Like you've labeled them because of how talent. you're eating. Yeah. Like, like you're judging them because you chose to eat differently for yourself. And it's right. really confusing and it can cause a lot of problems. But like yeah. you said, I almost think it's more that she's defensive because she's like, I wish I could do that. Or, you know, she yeah, had very probable. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's no reason you should be upset with what other people are eating if they're eating, choosing to eat healthier. Now, those who eat healthy and they see their loved ones killing themselves with eating, that might be reason to be upset. Yeah. But because yeah. you chose to eat healthier and create a different health outcome for yourself should never offend anyone. Exactly. And especially one meal, right? Like if it's someone that you don't know, I mean, uh, you know, I have a very live and let live kind of life, you know, philosophy to life. I'm not interested in telling anyone else what to do. I'm very interested in helping people who want to, you know, who want to do something differently. Right. Right. I'm help. I like to help people do what they want to do, which, which is why I'm in, you know, got into coaching now. Right. But, but when someone makes that snap judgment at a one time, you know, this is the only time we've ever sat down together. And this will probably be the only time we ever will sit down together to start like that. I know it's not about me in that, in those cases, right. Mm -hmm. it's, it's usually about the other person. So I've learned how to let that roll off my back. Um, you know, she, she was challenging pretty hard, you know, things that I was doing for my children. And I'm just going to go ahead and assume that it was coming from a place of caring but I can't let that rock my world. The only thing I could let that do would maybe let me go home and do some extra reading, right? Mm -hmm. To, um, you know, further build my own confidence that what I'm doing is right. Or if I really found something contradictory, it would be because I digged in, I dug into evidence, not because of this one dinner time conversation. Right. Well, that's someone who's speaking using their authority to defend their decisions. Right. right. So she's using her yeah. authority as a physician high up and a, a cardiovascular, whatever that right. was to defend her. And then everyone around her should be making the same decisions because she needs to be patted on the back. It's like, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're making right. the right decision. We're all following suit. We're doing so she's someone differently. She's using that power exactly. to try to change the behaviors of those around her to fit her own mold, which is unfortunate. Yeah. Now, <laughs> there are also those of us who like myself and I will say I can be a tad um, excited and yeah. aggressive and it's all love. <laughs> it's all love because I feel urgency when I share people, you know, you need to be eating this way because life is short and I want you to have the best lifespan health span, yeah. the quality of life as possible. And the way to do that is eat those vegetables. Right. <laughs> so, that's why we work so well together. <laughs> <laughs> You're the nice, passive, sweet one. Not passive, but kind. And I'm I'll I'm help fine. people along the trail and you'll get people on you get people onto the trail and I'll help them through. And if they start to veer off, I'll yank their chain. <laughs> right. <laughs> so you know it's, and they never know who it's coming from. But um right. yeah, 
that that's so very key. And, um, you know, it's funny cause at the conference, I think that, that tad bit of aggressive personality could come out on occasion. Um, yeah. they're like, well, what about those doctors who do this and do that? I was like, listen, if you yeah. can get information as a medical professional, as a physician, and you know the science and you believe it, right? That's even worse. And you don't offer it to your patients. I consider it malpractice because yeah. it'd be like someone with cancer and you hold withhold one of, you know, three drugs that can treat someone. If I don't yeah. give someone the opportunity, cause I assume that they don't want it or won't change, you know, you can't do that. Not that, fair. Yeah. that is not your job to assume you are not the all knowing in, you know, entity of anyone's right. behavior. And I've had been so surprised by some of my patients. I share with all, if you have the diagnosis, mm -hmm. you're getting this information. Even if you don't, if you're a parent, I'm going to tell you how to, right. you know, get your kids on healthier. It is not my, my decision to make your destiny. Right. It is yours. And I, my job is to give you the knowledge and the tools to help you make the best decision possible. And if you choose not to, that's fine. Then right. I will say, great. I've given you the information. I can sleep at night. But that that's the key that really irritates me. Right. Is because you have to share all treatment options. And we have exactly. to respect lifestyle intervention as a treat, treatment option. Absolutely. Like we have to, right? You have yeah. to. And I think how right. arrogant of someone to, to make a decision, choose to, that decision that can have a life-altering effect on someone. Yeah. Ugh. So yeah. it's so wrong. So yes, I get it. <sighs> but I think we covered it pretty well. Yes, I think so. I think we we covered it very well, and um, love to hear people's comments below and share the video, share the podcast, and uh, I can't wait to see what conversations we get into next week. Yeah, and <laughs> I, I just was going to say I, I do want to send out a call, you know, for specific comments. So if someone does find this empowering, or if you have been labeled and you want some help to figure out what you might be able to do with it, you know, please comment below. And we would love to chime in and we can either, you know, we can cover that in the comments or we can give you other options for how we can cover that for you. Or we could even do another episode on, on a specific case. You know, we don't have to use names or maybe we can even bring a guest on sometime and kind of work through it and, and see how that might work. Um, so Absolutely. lots of options, but it all starts with just leave us some comments and let us know what you're thinking um, about this. If it stirred up any new thoughts for you or if it kind of refreshed any existing thoughts, you know, we just love to hear about it to keep right. that going. Yeah. Our goal is just to, you know, try to uncover as much as we can as we learn from others and grow and experience it with you. And I just like to sort of shout out to the Healthy Human Revolution um, we have a, a private Facebook group. Um, you're more than welcome to join. It's less than a dollar a day. And we are in there every single day. We're getting a nice community growing now yeah, and they help each other. It's been really yeah. cool. And that's on our website. You just click on healthy human nation and, uh, we'd love to see you there as well. So, you know, there we go. So, yeah. All right. Well, we're off. Awesome. So I hope you guys enjoyed it. It yeah. was definitely nice talking with you, Lori. You too, Mr. Anthony. And uh, we'll see you next week. Yep. See you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.